0: Well, good morning, Vineyard. Hello. There you go. I figured I would break up that little uh, circle of, you know, conversation over there from you ladies. It's okay. We're a friendly bunch of people. and I know how much she loves it. So everybody say good morning to Jackie this morning. Yeah, she is just gushing with joy because everybody said hi to her. That's all, you know, can I apologize now? (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry, not really, but that's okay. Let's pray and uh, lift this, uh, this opportunity of our corporate gathering to Jesus this morning. And also give Kaylee time to change out her batteries. Father, we thank you for just your continued Lord, we just thank you for your patience with us. We thank you, Lord, for your yeses even when our no's come against you. We thank you, Jesus, for your continued pursuit of us in every aspect of our lives. You don't want to not be a part of each and everything that we are a part of. So just... Let us breathe deep this morning, whatever we brought in with us that we don't need to take away with us. Let us know and help us to know that that's not, that we're not supposed to take it away. Just to, just to find peace, find comfort, and really if uh, I just get this picture of just letting, letting things go. We just ask you to come, Holy Spirit. Hmm. That's really awesome, just feeling the presence of the Lord right now. Thank you for being with us. We give you all the praise and the glory this morning. Amen. Amen. So if you feel like getting to your feet, you can stand. You can take whatever position that uh, is comfortable for you. Look out for your neighbor. Just... uh, Join us, lift your voice and lift your heart as we uh, get consumed by the overwhelming, reckless love of God.
1: After me. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my son. Let the king of my heart you are good.
0: While we're in this place of just our corporate worship as we're coming together, I just want to take a second and um, lift up Connie. Uh, pray for Connie. I mean, she's having hip surgery on Tuesday. So if you just want to extend your hand, if you feel comfortable, we just want to say, Holy Spirit, come. I still believe that if we ask, you'll do, that she won't have to have the surgery that you're already doing a mighty work. We've seen you heal hips before. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you heal her hip now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you're a God that we can cry out to and and ask for the impossible because you are a God of the impossible. We keep our sister in our thoughts and our prayers as she heads into this week that we either hear the news that she did not need surgery, or we hear the news that, God, you're working through a team of amazing people that are going to do amazing things for her. And we thank you for her commitment to the kingdom and for her commitment to this community and for just her continued pursuit of you, Jesus. I pray the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless, love she feels right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: With one voice we sing in worship and in wonder Thank you alone are unlike any other Hear our praises as we welcome you together true and firm foundation there's no need to fear no need for hesitation there's a name that echoes over all creation oh, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. lift him high above the heavens over every situation that surrounds us, we sing His name with expectation, for the God of our salvation is among us. Here you know we find a true and foundation. need for hesitation, there's a name that echoes over all creation, oh Jesus, lift him high, lift him high above the heaven, over every heaven. situation that surrounds God of our salvation Expectation for the God of our salvation is among us. Lift him high above the Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we also this morning we have oh we have a microphone there we go um we have we have a uh, sometimes we don't we don't often celebrate birthdays but we have somebody who actually helped Teresa and I come here and who has been in the church longer than anybody else and in fact I think she was part of helping build were you part of helping build this thing this church, I mean your your family, your husband, Wilmer Bishop. Yeah, Wilmer Bishop is turning a certain age. We won't. We don't. Um, we don't express a woman's age in this church, unless you want to get slapped. So um, I thought we would um, we would just sing her happy birthday I wish her happy birthday. So somebody who can sing maybe would start us. Yeah.
3: Good morning. What a sweet, sweet space we're in this morning. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're so glad you could join us. If you're at home, hi. And if you're going to join us later on YouTube, hi to you. We are thank you. We are continuing our fall book studies, The Reason for God. Pastor Brent's message today is called Is the Bible a myth? Found in 2 Timothy 3:10 through 17. Grab your Bible or cell to look up today's text. You will also find it written in your bulletin as well as a section for notes. We encourage you to join in in a small group. We also go through the study as we also go through the study as a church. Groups will look at questions such as is the Bible a myth? How can you say there's no one way to God? Why does God allow suffering? Our small groups are listed on the back of your bulletin. The All-City Vineyard Conference was this weekend, and what a wonderful and inspiring conference it was. The worship on Friday evening was combined musicians from all over Vineyard, including Kaylee Lowell, Elisa Simmons, and Jackie Brown. How beautiful it was to see our ladies up there representing us on stage. And eight of our own youth attended the youth event. With pictures. So thanks, Teresa, for getting those up bright and early this morning. (laughs) And Marvin for sending them. How fun. Um, A little, there were only three catastrophes of the night, two of which were from our church. Great. One was me and one was Chris Swafield. So if we can keep Chris in prayer, he got a little powder in his eye and it's swollen. So if we can lift him up in prayer for healing on that. Our CSK fundraiser dinner and raffles is this Saturday, October 7th, 5 to 8 p.m. You're invited with your friends, family, everyone you know to this event, a great dinner and raffle to win some prizes. Tickets are available in advance in the lobby. On a note, we need people to stay and help today after the service to set up tables and chairs here in the sanctuary for next weekend's event. So if you have time, please stay. The vineyard is holding our neighborhood hall, no, fall harvest fest here on Tuesday, October 31st, 6 to 8 p.m. We open our doors and welcome everyone in the neighborhood to enjoy fun, family food and, of course, candy. Sign up in the lobby to donate candy, juice boxes, water bottles, snacks, and even to help. Don't forget today's offering. We have a small table on the back of the sanctuary for your offering, or you can donate through Zelle.
4: Well, I've been a Christian for over 40 years, and I've been a tither for those 40 years. Now, have I always been a cheerful giver? Probably not. I probably did most of it out of legalism. But does God still bless me because of, regardless of the mode of my, of my heart? Yes, he has blessed me and been faithful all these 40 years. Um, he gives us a guideline of 10%. Of course, in the New Testament, he says, um, you know, all of us is, but I think as humans we just naturally need some kind of guidelines. So 10% is a great uh, amount for, that God has given us. Um, one of the things I wanted to share was that, you know, that even though I could look back on all the money that I've given to the church and think that it is. You know, I could have benefited myself. Really, the church is my second home, and it's my second family. And in Corinthians, it says that when you give when others are in need, that it will come back to you when you're in need. And that has been true for me. I've used the benevolence fund. I've used the food bank. Um, But thank God it's been there. And I just wanted to end with a scripture from Malachi 3.10. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store. it. And I really believe that that's what's happened to me over the years. Um, I believe that the 90% has gone way farther than 100% ever could have, and it's been a lot of fun watching it.
5: Hey, good morning, church. I'm David Anderson. I'm one of the uh, Vineyard Wycliffe Council members, and uh, along with some other folks here, we wanted to do a tithing video. Um, Also part of the Building for the Future Committee, and um, it uh, has been a blessing to see uh, just the kingdom work that... uh, the Vineyard Church here in Wycliffe does, and uh, to be a part of that. So I would just want to encourage everybody, sometimes it's not about the exact offering and the dollar amount, but, uh, you know, we can volunteer our time um, just doing service to the food bank or the youth ministries or the Christmas for Kids ministries. There's just a a ton of service ministries that we can do to connect to our community and do the kingdom work here. Um, From the financial standpoint, sometimes the council members are more aware of, uh, it takes a lot to uh, do all those things and make sure um, our staff feels like we're going to meet payroll and they're going to get paid. And uh, there's a lot of things I think God wants to do here. Just pray for that and uh, be mindful of that. And thanks so much for all that you do already. And I think God wants to bless that even more.
2: And he came, John came out of a, a background of almost complete um, non-Christian, non-religious experience. He didn't, really didn't have any. And he didn't know a lot of stuff that we would take for granted. And so the, this part is about where he's learning about that there's actually this thing called the Bible, which I think is pretty funny. This. Is a metabolism? Uh-oh, not that. That's not funny.
6: <laughs>
2: Sexy man. Now, no, that just makes me look bad. <clears throat>
6: Hi, boy, and I turned to her and I said, I'm in touch with the supernatural. <laughs> and I can still remember she went, Who? <laughs> her hand sort of fluttered to her butt And I said, God. She said, oh, well, everyone knows God. I said, Not me. I've been talking to him. She said, Well, that's called prayer. Don't you know about praying? I said, No. And suddenly she became a religious expert. (laughs) And for the next hour, we talked about God. You know, we'd never really talked about God before. We'd been married seven years, and we'd never talked about God. And she told me all kinds of things about God. She told me about Mary, and she told me about the catechism, and she told me about the. Oh, she told me God had a book out. And I said, I said, no kidding. I said, what's it called? She said, it's called the Bible. I said, God wrote that book? And she said, yes, that's God's book. He wrote that book. I said, well, when did he do that? She said, oh, a long time ago. I said, no kidding. I said, have you ever read it? And she said, yeah, I've read it. I said, all of it? And she said, well, I've read lots of it. I said, no kidding. I said, well, where do you get a book like that? And she said, oh, you can buy them in the stores. I said, I never saw any in the stores. Well, she said, you've been going in the wrong stores. She said, You you can get one. And so that day, I got got back to Las Vegas that afternoon, and I put my family in, we uh, rented a condominium, I put my family in there, and I decided to go down and buy a book, a Bible. Now, the problem was, the only places I shopped was like the casino stores and things like that. And it's not easy to buy a Bible in Las Vegas in the casino stores. And so I went to several of them, and uh, finally this one lady says, you're not going to find a Bible here. And I said, you know, I'm beginning to believe that. I said, where would you go if you wanted a Bible? She said, go across the street. And she said, "Uh, there's a book rack, and on the book rack there's a Bible. Now, my wife had been very careful to describe to me what Bibles look like. She says they're black, and it says Holy Bible on the side of them, or on the back of them. And I, I said, is it black? I didn't want anybody to put anything over me, you know. I, I said, is it black? She said, well, I don't think so. And I said, well, then it can't be a Bible. And she said, I think it's a Bible. Go on over there. So I went over to the drugstore, and sure enough, on the, I, I asked the clerk, and she, she went over, and she got this green book. It was paperback, and she took it down, and it said New Testament, New English New Testament. And I said, that's not a Bible. And she said, yeah, it's a Bible. It's half a Bible. And I said, It's half a Bible.
1: <laughs> I said, what do
6: you mean it's half a Bible? This thing was getting complicated, you know. I said, what do you mean it's half a Bible? And she said, it's half a Bible. I said, you sell it for half price? And she said, No, but take it, you'll like it. Well, I found out later you can't get saved reading that translation. <laughs> and I told the guy, Shh, God doesn't know that because that's the one I read. And it worked for me, you know. Well anyway, I got the book home and I started reading it. You ever read that book? That's a weird book. It's all about Jewish people. I started reading. I read about seven or eight pages, and I went into my wife and I said, This is all about Jewish people. And she said, Well, I know that. She said, God's Jewish. (laughs) I said, I said, Oh, come on. Is he really? You know. Now keep in mind, I didn't have any prejudice about Jews because I had worked with Jewish people all my life. I'd been in the entertainment industry, in the garment industry before that, and, and uh, you know, and all through show business and record industry. Every place I worked, I worked with Jewish people. There wasn't any antagonism towards them being Jews. That was just news to me that God was a Jew. I didn't know, you know. <laughs> and so we tried to read the book. Well, I, uh, I started taking it with me to work. Now, when I went to work at night, we, we worked the midnight shift from midnight till four. And we would do a show, and then we would have an intermission while another group did a show, and then we would go back. We were a lounge act. And so during the intermissions, I was taking my Bible, and I was going in and sitting down at the bar, and, and uh, they had these little spin lights, you know, over the bar, and I was, I was sitting there reading one night. And the bartender came over and said, What you reading? And I said, The Bible. And he said, You shouldn't read it here. And I said, Why not? The light's good. And he said, no. he says, You shouldn't read it. It's beside, I said, He said, That's not the real Bible anyway. And I, I slammed it down. I said, I knew it. I said, what's the real Bible like? And He says, well, they're black. And I thought, all right, you know. This guy knows. He knows what it is. And I said, and it says Holy Bible on it. And he says, yes. And, he, and I said, well, where do you get them? He says, well, you buy them at the Bible bookstore, dummy. I said, the Bible bookstore? And he said, yeah. He says, there's one down the street. And so I went right into the lobby and looked up in the yellow pages and sure enough, right down the street there was a Bible bookstore. So I got in my car and drove down there and it was closed.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you want to see that, it's called um, uh, I'm a Fool for Christ, Who's Fool Are You? And it's, you can find it on, I don't know, do we, even have, do we have it on our website? It's on YouTube. You can find it lots of, Different place. Just do a search for it, and it's John was really like that. He, um, John, John was one of the people that helped disciple Teresa and I for many years, and um, was just an amazing, an amazingly cool model of um, what a Christian should be. And part of that came out of I think God specifically raised John up because he had no church background. He came into this thing with almost like a blank slate, and um, so everything he learned was was just from reading the Bible, and he integrated that well with with the, the society that he worked in. He was actually part of the the group, the Righteous Brothers. Do you know the group, the Righteous Brothers. You've loved, yeah. You what's that? you Love and feeling thing. Should I sing it? I should? No. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a, you know he was part of that group and he was with them when they were just starting to ascend he was working with them in Vegas he was actually one of their producers he was on a couple of their early albums he played keyboards and stuff and, um, and when he had this encounter with God God called him and said I want, you to, I want you to quit doing that and for several years he ended up washing dishes he went and became a dishwasher so he felt like God said I don't want you to do this anymore John and God used him, used that man to bring about. Which a lot of you aren't even familiar with this. He literally, and, and you know, I usually don't boast up people, but he became like a modern day Martin Luther, a modern day John Wesley, a modern day Saint Augustine. Dude, dude was, I should say, such a dude was, dude was, um, just a, a really authentic, genuine cool person but he also was extremely gifted extremely gifted there were about 500 maybe 600 of us that were in our early 20's mid 20's that had no place to go and we we had become Christians we weren't really welcome in some of the mainline denominations because a lot of us were you know recovering drug addicts and we were hippies and our music style was very different and and so we came into this thing and we started... God just kind of gathered us around this guy. And this and John was not like a cult leader or anything. He didn't really want to be... He didn't want to start something. He didn't want to start an association or a denomination or anything like that. But that's who God used to do that. And his early experience with the Bible, I think, is telling because we assume sometimes... Especially if you came from a church background, the people understand the Bible and what the Bible is all about, and people don't. People don't get it. They don't understand. We did a Bible study. Um, I've done many Bible studies. We did one not too long ago, where we, I just, you know, I just said, let's let's open up to Luke four, and somebody somebody in the group just said, what's that? And I said, okay, Luke is, and I just said, yeah, we didn't, you know, we just went, okay, let's start at the beginning okay so the and I'm you know I went and kind of did a brief explanation of the Bible and then I said you know Luke is part towards the end of the book um and and it's it's one of four Gospels and I explained some of that and it was just kind of a cool a cool time it was I it was just fun to to have people that didn't understand didn't know a lot of that stuff and and if you're here this morning and you're new It's okay to not know a lot of that stuff. When somebody, you know, Christians that have been Christians for a while will start flipping through stuff. We're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians now. You remember when this happened to Paul, and you're going, I don't remember when that happened. I don't know. You know, I don't even know who Paul is. So, um, you know, I think one of the titles of of this is, is The Bible a Myth. And I'm going to deal with that, but I'm also going to deal with the context in which it is written, because I think when we. When I preach, when we preach, I think one of the most important things we can do as we preach is is what what's called um exegeting scripture or preaching expositorily, which means that I don't, you know, um have some ideas and then find a bunch of scriptures to fit my ideas. I try and go to scripture and go, Okay, God, what do you want to use this for to communicate to your people? In other words, we want to be exegeted by Scripture rather than have, scripture, rather than have us just kind of you know, make Scripture say what we want it to say. And, um, in Scripture, the Bible does transform people. It has power through the Holy Spirit and through the working of God and through the working of people and preaching and things to bring about change. But today a lot of people think of the Bible, there's, there's, there's a very big decline in our society um, regarding people going to church, regarding young people believing that, that any book could actually be something from God. There's this idea that pretty much all religions are the same, all you know the religious material is the same, stuff like that. And the Bible makes some significant claims that we need to wrestle with as followers of Jesus. And so we're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna take a look at the Bible, not just the Bible, but we're gonna take a look at, at how can we continue to be people who follow Jesus all the way through our lives. Yeah. Who don't make it halfway or three quarters of the way and then just kinda of drop out. I was impressed the other a few weeks ago when um, Dan O'Brien, he's, part, he's one of the guys who comes to the man cave from time to time. By the way, anybody's welcome to come to the man cave to watch sports and stuff. It's a, it's a very dainty place. It's very clean, and you know, it's well put together. And, and... but anyway, Dan comes and he, he said, Yeah, hey, I'm, 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 I'm running in the 5K in Chardon." And I'm, I'm like, "Oh, cool." I said, "You've been training for a while." He said, "Yeah, I've been training for two weeks." I'm like, oh, "Good for you, Dan." So then I asked him how'd you do. He goes, I did pretty good. You know, I came in. I don't know what he came in. Somewhere he came in. Period. I mean, he he made it. You know, and that's impressive. But you know, a lot of lot. I I've done this a long time, and there are people that don't make it. There are people that just don't make it. And I, my prayer for all of you is that you would all make it. And part of what the passage that I'm preaching on today about is about is about Paul preaching to this young man named Timothy who Paul had literally kind of raised up in the faith and brought with him as a mentee, as somebody that he was mentoring. And um, he, was, he was about to give... Uh, the church that that they or the area, the church that they were in in Ephesus in that area, over to Timothy, and Paul knew he was about to be killed, and so he he wanted certain things to be given, and wanted wanted to put certain things into Timothy's life, so that Timothy could run the race, could finish the race, could. Could like Paul said, you know, I've I've run the race, I've finished the fight, I've and, and God has stored up for me a, cl- a crown of glory, and there's nothing, you know. One of the things I want to do, Teresa wants to do, I think all of us want to do. I when I was very young, I just said, Lord, help me to finish this race well. I want to finish this race well. I don't want to. I don't want to stumble. I don't want to fall. I want to finish it well. Because you never you never read about people, sometimes you read about people who start, who start out well, but you always read about people who don't finish well, don't you? They make it this far and then they do stupid stuff. So Father, come and, and just speak through your Spirit, through your Word, through me. And um, Lord, may this be a Word that transforms us and that, that engages us. And if there's anybody watching out there or online or anybody here who has been doubting who's been kind of pulling away I pray that your your power and your magnetism would pull them back in and that you would remove those those walls of doubt that build up around us and that you'd bring us back to a faith of a place of simple faith in you and that you would remove just any of the slime from religiousness from uh, wrong thinking from s- some pastors out there that just represent you really badly. And um, would you bring people back to yourself this morning and help the rest of us learn how to run a good race? Amen. And so, Paul's writing this, and he's writing it in a time when, when there are tons of myths flying around. In fact, he's, he's writing in, in, in the context of, of there being Um, people teaching all kinds of weird things, the news was spreading all kinds of weird ideas, Um, the society was kind of running rampant sexually, morally, there was craziness going on there, people were unsettled, and people didn't know what to believe. There were tons of choices of beliefs out there. I mean, how are you supposed to know which one is right? sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? You know, times don't change that much. Solomon was right when he said, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. We're, we're not living in worse or better times than it had been before. I mean, history history recycles itself. So let me uh, read through this, the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. It's in Second Timothy, which is a book that maybe you don't get to a lot. And it's from... Um, Second Timothy, chapter three, verse verses one through or verses ten through seventeen, and um, I gotta find it in my notes where I put it. <laughs> so there we go. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna start a little bit earlier than my than my um, pictures up here start. So th- don't worry, Cindy. I'm I'm gonna read a little bit before I get to the place where. This. Paul, Paul, Paul says this to Timothy, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And Paul isn't necessarily assuming that the last days are imminent. He might have thought that. He might have not thought that. Um, everybody, everybody in every generation thinks, well, this could be the last days. And to be honest, from the very beginning of the resurrection of Jesus, when he ascended into his kingdom, it was the beginning of the last days. Now what does that mean? It was the beginning of God beginning to bring in his new kingdom. Usually when people think of last days, they think of you know uh, movies about this, you know, where zombies are walking around and the earth is all empty and everything's terrible. But when when the Bible talks about it, it's not necessarily talking about that. It's talking about a shifting of an age from an old age where there is sin and death and brokenness into a new age where there will be God's kingdom, where there will be wholeness, where there will be no anxiety, where there will no be, be no more uh, you know, gun violence, there will be no, no more struggles with um, whatever we struggle with. But Paul says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of selves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, Not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And so he's talking about what the days were like that he was living in. And he said these are like the last days. And when people, again, when people say the last days, it doesn't, I mean this was written 2,000 years ago, so... That doesn't mean that, that Jesus can't come back any time and, and, and restore this whole world. He's in process of doing that already. And, uh, but it also means that we're not going to know when that time is. And if anybody starts telling you that they know when that time is, or if they start giving you charts and ideas of like, okay, here's what's happening. Let me tell you what's happening. Jesus himself said nobody knows the time or the season, not even the sun. If God didn't choose to tell Jesus when he was here on this earth, when that was, not sure, but don't think you have a big, good chance of finding out. Right? So just live your life faithfully. And every day, what God puts before you, and you're going to be okay. So... There are the kind who worm their ways into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, people that are always learning but never being able to come to the truth, just as Janice and Jambres opposed Moses so false teachers will oppose truth. Men of depraved mind, but they will not get very far, as in the case of these men, because their following will become evident to everyone. And this is where we pick up our passage. You... However, and he's speaking to Timothy, you know about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience and love and endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Iconium, Antioch, Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not everybody's going to like your life when you begin to follow Jesus. Well, evildoers and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as far as you continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know that from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. We'll get into that in a minute. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, let your word do its work in our lives. So the first thing Paul says is, follow my example. You know about all my teachings. You know about my purposes, what my vision in life is, my faith, patience. Love, endurance, persecution, suffering, what kind of things happened to me in Iconium, uh, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, persecutions that I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Now these are severe things that happened to Paul. In Lystra, he was beaten and abused so badly, Paul was, that they left him outside the city and they thought he was dead. But just like in Night of the Living Dead, Paul came back to life. Only he wasn't a zombie. He was actually a person. He came back. God raised him up. And so Timothy saw this in Paul's life. He, he saw all of these things in Paul's life and he's like, holy moly, dude. I mean, when when he says, you, however, know about all my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my love, my endurance, my persecutions all the things that happened to me. He said, Timothy, you've been with me. You've, seen, you've been my mentor. And you've seen all these things. And you've seen how I responded to them. And I'm so thankful in my life for different people who've been mentors to me. Early on, there was a young man named Peter Skantz, who I didn't even know it at the time, but he had, his um, wife had had um, cheated on him. He, came, he was a pastor of, uh, Assembly of God Church. Came home one day, found his wife in bed with his best friend. Got out of ministry for a while and started working at this place called Travilla that worked with adults that were physically and mentally disabled. And I think God sent him there because he was one of the few people that accepted uh, a newly recovered drug addict who um, knew how to swear worse than a sailor. Um, me and I watched Peter's life and Peter would talk to me about God I didn't believe in God at this point but he talked to me about God he'd ask me questions and one day I made the mistake of telling Peter 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 we were making something and Peter was talking about when he became a Christian and I said oh I'm a Christian and then he asked me that that the question I hoped nobody would ever ask me oh what does that mean he goes, oh, you know, I, I didn't know what to say. I said, oh, you know, I believe in God, and I'm an American. And that was kind of my definition of being a Christian. Later on, I discovered that that didn't really make me a Christian. But, um, but he, he was the first person to do that. And then there was this other person named Gary Smith, who was the pastor of the first church I went to. And I've shared with you about how I started going there. This is right after I had had said yes to Jesus on that trip out west with those three other non-Christians. <laughs> non-Christian led me to Jesus. So if you want to know about that sometime, I'll tell you. This non-Christian leads me to Jesus. And, and, um, and she did it by reading some scriptures, uh, the Ten Commandments of Jesus by Robert Schuller. She was reading these scriptures by, that were written out by Robert Schuller, and I just said yes, you know, like, and, and, and my life began just being changing, and I, I, I started going, trying to go to the church. You know, and it was freaky for me, and it was scary for me. The church, first church I went in, I went in by myself, and, and I was going to sit at the way back, but the way, the way back was all full, and there were all these seats in the front, so I ended up having to sit in the front. Um, sound familiar? Like I, would, I was like, all right, I'm going to sit in the back because then I can get away if I need to. So I'm in the very front. The service goes on for like 15 minutes, and I freak out. I just take a beeline. I don't know what the poor people in the church thought, but I was so freaked out. The whole time I was sitting in there, I started having a panic attack, and I'm like, I'm out. And I literally almost ran out, and I don't know what the people thought. I should go and apologize, but I don't remember what church it was so but anyway went to this church and this guy named gary smith starts taking me under his wing and starts caring about me and and starts showing me he wasn't more than a couple of weeks that i was in there that He brought me up front and had me pray with this person and i shared this with you It was a person woman who was all bent over and he and he said brent what's god telling you and i'm like it telling me god tells me things i don't know and he said, no, what's in your mind right now? And I just said, I don't know, it seems like maybe something going on with her daughter is happening and, or with her children and maybe she has a daughter or something that's, that's causing And she just starts sobbing. She starts sobbing. And I thought, I'm either really wrong or really right. I don't know which one. And then she starts coming, standing up. And the more we prayed for her, and, I st- and he said, Brent, just pray for her. And I didn't know how to pray out loud, but I said, Lord, it seems like maybe her, her, this weight of her daughter or the, her child is so much on her, it's actually bending her over. Would you straighten her up? And she just straightened right up. And that was my, that was Gary mentoring. This is a, I'm a new Christian. And then after Teresa and I had been at the church like nine months, there were all kinds of new Christians coming in. And Gary's like, Brent, I want you and Teresa to lead a group on new Christians. And I'm like, dude, we are new Christians. we we've, we've, we've known this thing for like maybe nine months. And he goes, that's okay, I'll give you a book. You just stay a few pages ahead of everybody else and it'll work out great. And so I started leading Bible studies nine months into my faith. And our first one had about 10 people, and they're asking me all these questions, and I'm going, I don't know. I don't know. Let's look in this book. I don't know. I don't know. You know? And it was amazing. And yet, you know what? All of those people ended up becoming Christians. It was amazing. And so... Paul's when he says, "Follow my example," he's not saying that his life is perfect. If you know Paul, you know that he had this major conflict with Mark, and he talks so much about loving and getting along with each other, and then in, in Acts it says, "And they had no small argument." Now, I don't know what no small argument looks like, but I would assume it looks like no small argument. you know? So Paul was very human, but there was something also growing in Paul. And, the, and, his, and he says this. He says, um, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. There's something in Paul that they see a drive. They see a light in Paul's eye that, that was the light of Jesus in his life that made them want to go, you know what? I, I, need to, I need to look at what his life is like and try and model that. And for me, there have been many people like that in my life. Rich Nathan was that for many years. A guy named Steve Shogun was that. And there have been even radio people like when I was a new Christian and I was afraid to go to church, there was this guy named Chuck Smith on the radio, or not Chuck Smith. Chuck Swindle on the radio. Which is really a bad name to have if you're a radio pa- television pastor, Chuck Swindle. And he didn't spell it the same as Swindle. But he and he wasn't the swindler, he was just a cool guy. And, and so I was discipled by him. And then, like I said, Gary came along, and I looked at his life, and I saw his life. You know, it was really amazing when Tim Kelly, the guy that I, it, it actually has been one of my mentors for several years now, and even though he doesn't know who I was, well, now he does probably, because he died and went to be with Jesus. But at the time, he didn't know who I was. He became a mentor for me. I would listen to his sermons all the time. Because I, even though I've been a Christian for a long time, I need people who can teach me still Amen. and that I can learn from. Yes. And this isn't so different from in our lives if you think about the people that have mentored you. My dad was my mentor for a long time for things like on how to fix cars. When, when we were younger than 10, we built an addition on our house and my dad would patiently sit there with us teaching us how to drive in the nails, you know. We, we built a treehouse once, and my, my parents said it was at the cabin that we lived in. And my, da- my dad and my mom were like, like, they were like, there are literally more nails in that treehouse than there is wood. There were nails everywhere. Because the nails would bend and break and so on and so forth. And so I learned how to do that. My dad mentored me in that, and he taught me how to do it. And if you don't have somebody in your life that, that you, you look to, that you can um, say, hey, how do you do this? I would encourage you to get connected with somebody. Um, Dave I don't know if Dave's here. No, Dave's down in Gatlinburg. Dave Anderson. Dave Anderson and I hang, hang out on a semi-regular basis. And we talk about life and we talk about worth and we work and we pray together. And from time to time, Dave comes with me to, um, to hospital visits and stuff. Because sometimes when we're just hanging out together, guess what? People get sick. And so he went with me to um teresa's mom teresa o'brien's mom was dying a few years ago and dave went with me and so we walk in and there's this you know a person right there and he said do they really let us go up there in the the covid ward ward she was dying of covid and i go i don't know we're just going to go there and so we just walked through i said just pretend like you you know what you're doing and you know they'll they won't ask any questions. So we did. So we went up there, and then we got up there, and we were in a, obviously in the outer room where the nurses are. But Dave, Dave, and I just sat there and talked. We talked to um, the family, and we talked to the doctor. We didn't really get in to see her mom, but we prayed for her through that. Alan Ring, Jr., who's, he isn't here this morning, but for a long time, he was, when he graduated from RIT, I said, hey, um, what are you doing this summer? And he goes, I, I don't know. And I said, you want to you wanna do an internship? And he's like, okay. And then I thought, after this was after his graduation, we are driving home, and I thought, I don't know how to do an internship. I didn't have an internship. I just, like fire ready aim we're gonna want to do an internship and he's like he's like okay then i'm like oh crap now i gotta have an internship so we did an internship and he came with me to do all kinds of stuff the first day he came with me he was on the back of one of my motorcycles which in itself teaches people to pray and so he was learning how to pray on the back of the motorcycle and we go to the first place we're going to and it was actually sandy klosterman's sister's house and their water had gotten either turned off or shut off or something and there was this they had to trench from the street to their house to get water and so we go in and and her sister was dying of cancer and we went in and we prayed with her and then we just saw that there was a big need there to trench this trench up and so Ellen had come with a white shirt and a black tie on and I'm like okay we're going to learn how to to, you're going to learn how to Mentor, be a a follower of Jesus today. And we sat and we trenched out this whole trench so that they could get water to their house. And then after that, we went to this hospital and we prayed with this one person. And then we stopped and I just felt like the person in the next room, I could hear him talking. You know, because there's just a curtain between the two people. I mean, it's not like it's private, really. And I just happened to stop in and say, hey, it sounds like you guys are having a hard time. They said, We are. Mom's dying and the lady who was sitting there and she was dying. And I just said, Hey, can we pray for you? And she said, Yeah. And I said, What do you want us to pray for? And we ended up leading that lady to Christ right there. And and Alan gets done and goes, Does this happen all the time? And I go, I don't know. It seems to sometimes. It happens a lot more than when we don't go. But my challenge to you, first of all, the first point is that we need to follow we need to follow examples. We need to have examples in our life. If you're not in a small group, one of the great ways to get connected with somebody is through a small group. And be open to, to God setting up people. Be open. I used, to, I used to kind of, you know, like Peter, I would just go and say, hey, can I hang out with you? Can we go play tennis? And he's like, sure. So we're playing tennis and he's like, and I'm, and I'm like, I'm like, not even at that point a Christian. I'm, I'm in recovery, but I'm not a Christian. And he's like, you know, every other hit was, I won't even say what it was, but a lot of them started with an M and ended with an F. Um, and Peter's over there going, dude, are we playing tennis? And I go, yeah, this is, isn't this tennis? And he goes, yeah, it's just not how I'm used to playing tennis but he was my friend and and over the years one of the things that God has called me to is to not only to, to have mentors but to be that for other people in their lives and some of that is just living my life in front of them and they see the good the bad and the ugly and we all think I think we all think well I'm a poor example of a Christian You know, why would anybody look to me at life if they knew, you know, how grumpy I can get and how cranky I can get? And if, like, my wife knows me exactly how I am. But somehow, too, there's something more there. I'm sure Paul was grumpy and cranky sometimes. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. But somehow, in the midst of that, Timothy still saw the light of Jesus the glimmer of Jesus in Paul's life. And I think if Jesus is in our life, people are going to see that. And they're going to see our life. And they're going to see how we interact with people. And they're going to see how we handle conflict. And they're going to see how we deal with challenging circumstances. Secondly, um, Paul's warning here kind of is, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. He says, you know, he talks about his own persecutions and difficulties. One of the challenges for new Christians is, like, stuff happens all the time, doesn't it? Don't be surprised. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be thrown in jail for your faith and all that stuff. But it does mean sometimes that people... Are gonna think you're weird. Are gonna ostracize you. When Teresa and I first moved in here, we lived in the ministry house right here, and it was kind of funny because the 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 general area was not Protestant, and they kind of thought these two people that were living there weren't the predominant. You know what the predominant religion in in Wycliffe was at that time? It was Catholicism, and we weren't that, and so. We weren't always treated real well. You know, neighbors would have a community party, and they—it was like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, we—we didn't—we didn't get to play in all the reindeer games. It was sad and lonely. Although, ironically, then we moved into the black community in Wickliffe, and they were like, "Come on in, come on in, Rev. And go to this. Go to. I remember going to Shadrach. one of my neighbors. Um, uh, cookout things. Shadrach was one of my neighbors, and. And, he, and he, he's got, it was probably 50, 70 guys there and they're all sitting there with Jack Daniels and cigars and cigarettes and they're getting ready to eat. And he goes, hey, we're going to have Rev pray for us now. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's funny. And then they all stop and they look at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I prayed. And we still are connected with that community. It was an amazing community to live in. It was an awesome thing. And last of all, and this is I'm running out of time here. I'm sorry, we may have to pick up somewhere this my next beginning of thing. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced, because you know from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I'm not going to, I don't, (laughs) literally don't have time to go fully into this right now. But the one thing I do want to kind of leave you with is that the Bible, like somebody that I was listening preach on this, is no ordinary book. There's an amazing symmetry to the Bible. It's a, it's a book that's written over thousands of years by probably 40 to 60 different authors, and yet somehow this book that's written over this whole time period, somehow, all has a cohesive nature to it. It's written by various different people. And we don't believe, or at least I don't believe. I believe that God used that person's personality, that person's thoughts. They weren't just robots writing down. God used that person and, and used them and their personality and their characteristics to communicate exactly what he wanted us to know and what those people at that time needed to know. And that his word is still the, the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek, right? Right? the gospel of God. And so God is able to take this really cool word and translate it and transform it and use it to transform my lives. And when it says it's God-breathed, it means that it's no ordinary book. It came from the breath of God into Isaiah, into Hosea. And God didn't mechanically make them write something when David, when David um, wrote Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, that whole thing. Do you think David was writing that because God was mechanically making, you know, that he was going, the Lord, what did you say, the Lord is? No, I think David was going, you know what, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall never be in need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And even when I have to walk through the deepest and darkest valley, the Lord is with me. And His rod and His staff comfort me. And I will dwell in the house. He, he creates a feast before me in the presence of my, my enemies. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that is David fully david speaking his heart out and that is fully god speaking through david and this is just something i'll quickly leave you with to me this is how i think of scripture you know how god used the human being mary to bring his word jesus christ into this world that she was born of the virgin mary So he took, and some some would argue with me on this, but he took a normal human being, probably very broken like the rest of us, and somehow was able to birth his perfect son out of her. And I believe that he is able also to take us imperfect people and write exactly what we need to know and he birthed out of David and out of Isaiah and out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke everything that we need to know. So Father, um, today would you come and speak to people? Three things. One, come and speak to people about connecting and being in relationship with people that can help them grow. Secondly, would you come and encourage people who are going through a really hard time, whether that's financially, Merrily, uh, whatever they're going through, being whatever, even if it's some kind of persecution. And third, would you, Lord, help us to discipline ourselves better, to find ways to stay connected with your word so that it can do the work, because it says it is given to us, it's God breathed and given to us, so that the man or the woman of God may be able to accomplish every good work you planned for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're just going to take however long you need to pray, pray for you, to pray for anybody here who needs uh, healing, anybody who needs to just be revived in your faith, anybody here who needs somebody to help mentor, somebody to be their sponsor spiritually and pray for anybody who's going through some hard times right now. So I'm going to ask some of our small group leaders and other people, other leaders, come on up and help pray. In other words, God bless. And again, apologies for so long, such a long sermon, but God bless you.